Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. You don't want that. Garoppolo back. Garoppolo now pressured. Spins out to his left. Garoppolo gets sacked. Threw it out. And it's intercepted. He threw it up in the air to Jamichael Hasty to avoid the sack. And the ball got intercepted. The Rams take over on the INT. And his linebacker, Draven Howard, then intercepts Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow. What a critical error. Two critical errors in a row from Jimmy G. All right. That was the call. Last night on Niners Radio Network is Jimmy Garoppolo picked to essentially end that game as the 49ers go down to the Rams. Brian Barrett with you until midnight. If you do want to weigh in on Brady's denial that he's made a decision that he's retiring, I don't buy it. If you want to weigh in, the number is 617-779-7937. I do want to flip to some of those games yesterday because, and I mentioned this briefly to Mutt earlier today, tonight. I can't remember if I said this on the air or off the air. But anyway, I'll reiterate the point. I feel so grateful that the Patriots had Ernie Adams in Bill Belichick's ear for all these years. And look, Belichick, maybe he deserves the majority of the credit. I'm certain he does. But I can never remember coming away from a Patriots loss in the postseason and saying, like, you know what? Belichick really screwed up some tactical decision. Now, the Malcolm Butler thing, that's a different situation. I'm talking about, like, messing up the clock messing up with timeouts, not going for it when you're supposed to go for it. Now, they had issues this season, but of course, Ernie Adams not part of the equation anymore. But if I just look at Belichick and Brady's runs together in the postseason, I always felt like they were going to make the right decision. And I'm watching those games yesterday, and it goes back to last weekend as well with McDermott. But you look at the decisions that these teams were making yesterday. I mean, these coaches, I can't believe it. Like McVay and Shanahan, and I'll get into the decisions in a second here, but McVay and Shanahan, it is so perplexing to me that these guys are such great schemers of offense. They are exceptional play callers. How can they be so bad at the the in-the-game stuff? Now, is it just that they pay too much attention to their play calling and everything else is like on the periphery? So when somebody says, hey, you should challenge this, they don't think twice, they just challenge it? And are they not making the right math decisions during the game in terms of going for it on fourth and two or fourth and one because they're just so programmed to what's on their sheet? And this is the other thing. It's like they never go for it on fourth and one and fourth and two. I'm sure they have good plays designed for that because they're exceptional play callers. So I don't understand how so many teams, and I'll get to Andy Reid as well, are so bad with the in-game stuff. 
I never felt that was the case for the Patriots. Never felt that way whatsoever, that they were making the wrong decision in a game in terms of time and score, going for it, not going for it, using a timeout, not using a timeout. I never felt that way, and I'm sure there's examples of it, but not glaring examples like we've seen the past couple of weeks. So let me just get to this for a second. In that game last night, you have 10.42 left in the fourth quarter. This may have been... I don't remember watching an NFL game where both coaches screwed up royally on the same play. I I can't remember this ever happening before. And look, if you have a memory bank where that's in your memory that you can remember this, certainly feel free to weigh in. But think about this. So third and two at the Rams 45 for the 49ers. It's 17 to 14. The Niners have the lead. Okay. So, the Niners run that play that they ran last week against the Packers where Trent Williams is in the backfield, and he pulls. Now, this time, it's a different version of that play where because they put that on film, Kyle Shanahan's trying to trick Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams. So, what they do, and the Rams defenders, of course. So, they just hand the ball off to Juszczyk, the fullback. He runs up the gut. He doesn't get any yards, right? So, it's a no game. All right. So, after that play before fourth and two, McVeigh inexplicably challenges that Juszczyk fumbled the ball. I, I don't know what he's thinking. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know who he's getting this advice from. So whoever his Ernie Adams is, that guy needs to go because that's an atrocious decision to challenge that play. There's no way that anything was going to happen there. So that's the first mistake, right, by Sean McVay. Like, why the hell are you challenging that? He was never going to win the challenge. And then here's the other thing. So San Francisco had already lined up to punt. So you're hoping, I guess, a miracle happens and you get better field position. But if you look at that, did anybody watching the game last night think that they had a chance to win that challenge? No. So it's a dumb decision to begin with. And here's the other portion of this, why it's so bad for McVay. Because they were settled. The Niners were settled to punt on fourth and two. That's what you want. You want to get the ball back, right? So what you actually gave Kyle Shanahan You gave him more time to change his stupid decision to punt it. And I thought, okay, great. This is a huge break for the 49ers because Shanahan was going to make a boneheaded decision. So McVay makes both those errors. Oh, and there's another error McVay made in this. So because they got to think about it and they could have gone on fourth and two, you realize that Trent Williams could have lined up as the left tackle. So here's the thing. If they had just not challenged it, Trent Williams has to be an eligible receiver again. You can't go from an eligible receiver to an ineligible receiver on the next play unless there's a stoppage of play, unless there's a timeout. McVay gave them that opportunity. That's another issue. So McVay says, hey, yeah, put Trent Williams back at left tackle because he decides to challenge us. And here's the thing. Shanahan doesn't do the right thing. So he made a mistake originally by not going for an unfourth and two. You have the best running game in the NFL, right, in terms of what you can draw up schematically. You have Debo Samuel that you can give the ball to, right? So you have all these different ways that you've been able to run the ball with a high level of efficiency throughout the season, and you are going to punt it away. Now you get another break. You get your left tackle back up there, and what does Shanahan do? Like, dude, you got to be kidding me. It's 17-14. to Go down the field. Make it more difficult for the Rams. Make them have to score a touchdown. At the very least, what do you do? And maybe you get all the way into the end zone yourself, right? Maybe you end the game right there by going up by 10. He still punts it. 
He takes the delay of game. I mean, that is inexcusable. That is horrible in-game coaching. And then I wonder this, and this is kind of my working theory on why Kyle Shanahan is an exceptional play caller. He's an incredible schemer, yet he is a terrible in-game coach. And quite frankly, he coaches like a coward. I'm wondering if it's because of one reason. 28 to 3. Did the Patriots destroy? And look, he was the coordinator there. He's the offensive coordinator. But remember, they were super aggressive with that lead. Remember, they dropped back Matt Ryan. He gets sacked. Dante Hightower, Chris Long, they were dropping back when they were in field goal range. They were in field goal range to essentially ice that game. Remember, after Julio Jones makes that exceptional catch, and then you get to Matt Ryan. So when you take all these things into account, maybe this is what has destroyed Shanahan in terms of his in-game conservativeness, if you will. Maybe it's what he did with the Atlanta Falcons. Because if you think about this, this is not the first time that Shanahan has been way too conservative in a postseason game. If you go back to the Super Bowl after the 2019 season where, again, the 49ers blew a big lead like they did yesterday. So at the end of the half, it's 10-10. The Chiefs have a third and 14. Mahomes completes a little one-yard completion with a buck 53 left in the game. So think about that for a second. So it's fourth and 13. The Chiefs have to punt the ball from their 49. Shanahan doesn't use a timeout. He doesn't use a timeout. He doesn't give his offense an opportunity to win the game. Doesn't do it, right? So if you think about all that different type of stuff and you add it all up with Shanahan, the guy, I'm not going to diminish what he is as a play caller and a schemer. I'd love to get somebody off his staff for the Patriots. And we know Bill is a huge fan of Kyle Shanahan, but he is a horrible in-game coach. And the same thing can be said about McVay. If the Rams lose that game yesterday, you're blaming Sean McVay. Quite frankly, that guy was atrocious. He was horrible in that game as well. They were both trying to lose the game. And the other aspect I would bring up, too, in terms of just the storyline things, two things I think that are fascinating. The first one is, what the hell is going to happen with Jimmy? We know he's out, right? And here's the thing. If you look at both those teams, the Rams give up two first-round picks for Stafford. And I guess technically you can say one because one was essentially to get rid of Jared Goff's contract. But... I don't want to say the main reason, but one of the big reasons they're in the Super Bowl is the upgrade from the quarterback, right? You went from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford. Stafford's not in the elite class, if you will, but he's in that next group where he's really good. If the pieces around him are good, he can make a run, as we're seeing right now. On the other side of things, San Francisco gave up two first-round picks. I know you're going to say three, but it really isn't three because you swap the first round and then you give up the two future first-round picks, right? So they give up two first-round picks for Trey Lance. And they're still playing Jimmy Garoppolo, who, of course, Shanahan doesn't like. And I understand sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo this year. But here's the thing that is perplexing to me about the Trey Lance situation. So, earlier on in the season, midway through the season, and for the majority of the season, the San Francisco 49ers had a package for Trey Lance. Because Trey Lance is really good with his feet. Okay, he can really run. And for some reason, that's not part of the equation. Like going back to that fourth and two, why not have a package for Trey Lance there where he can come out? You got Debo Samuel on the field. You got Ayuk in motion. You got all these different guys. You got all these different playmakers. Why wasn't Trey Lance part of the equation at all? I understand red shirting him in his rookie season in terms of he's not going to be the starting quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy. Lance got the one start when 
Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. I understand all that. I can rationalize all that. But what I can't rationalize, if you gave up all this draft capital for Trey Lance, and you know the guy's an amazing athlete, you know he can really run the football, why wouldn't you use that to help your opportunity get to a Super Bowl? And if the argument is you're afraid he's going to mess up, you're afraid he's going to make a mistake, has anybody watched Jimmy Garoppolo play football? That guy puts the ball into harm's way more than maybe anybody else in the NFL. He tried to give the game away against the Packers a couple of weeks ago. So I can't comprehend why Kyle Shanahan didn't have a package for Trey Lance in the final couple of games of the regular season and into the postseason. When you're limited from the quarterback position with your actual starting quarterback, I don't know why you wouldn't dig into the Trey Lance part of the equation. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into. We will get into the Josh McDaniels thing and why it's a horrible job for Josh McDaniels and he's doomed to fail. We'll get into that in a little bit. Plus... The Kansas City Chiefs, the next dynasty, right? Uh, yeah, they went down. Who's to blame for that one? We'll get to that next here in EI. The exclusive home of Red Sox baseball. Now here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, it was reported over the weekend by Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington that Tom Brady was retiring. Brady responded to a report on the Let's Go podcast, his podcast, saying sometimes it takes some time to really evaluate how you feel and what you want to do. I think the time's right, or when the time's right, I'll be ready to make a decision one way or another, just like I said last week. So you heard it. Brady, according to him, he still hasn't made up his mind. Josh McDaniels, as we just said, he was introduced this afternoon as the Raiders head coach, Dave Ziegler, the new GM there in Vegas. The Seas beat the Heat 122-92. Jason Tatum, 20-12. and Jalen Brown, 29. The Seas will host the Hornets on Wednesday night. Uh, by the way, a couple of numbers on the Seas. They have a 102.9 defensive rating in the month. That is number one in the NBA. And they have a 9.2 net rating, which means points per 100 possession. They're outscoring their opponents by 9.2 points per 100 possession, second in the NBA, and their defensive rating is first in the NBA. Pretty good month for the Seas. The Bees host the Kraken on Tuesday. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. I've been patient. I've been selective, um, maybe to a fault sometimes. Uh, people wanted me to do things uh, a little earlier than maybe I did them. Um, but it was going to take a special place uh, for me to, uh, to really leave where I was. And I found that here uh, in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I, I thank Mr. Davis again for having the faith uh, in me to, to lead this team as the head coach. Uh, and I know that the greatness of the Raiders is in its future. And I can't wait to get started. All right, first things first. Isn't Josh McDaniels from Ohio? He sounds like he's from the South when he's doing that press conference today. Going to take a special place. Like, uh, what's going on with his voice there? Nonetheless, uh, Justin and I were talking about this before the show. I mean, this dude can talk, huh? I mean, he does not stop. The opening statement was eight and a half minutes. (laughs) With, like, no breath. It's like the opposite of Bill. He's like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Now, he's like that, too. Like, Or I shouldn't say he's like that, too. He was like that with the Patriots when he did his press conference. Loves the opportunity to speak. So a couple of things as it pertains to Josh. Do you think this is a good fit for him? And how big of a loss is this for the Patriots? 617-779-7937. So first thing that I wanted to point out here, and we played it for you. He says, I've been selected maybe to a fault it sometimes. I believe that was true at the beginning, but not now. And he says it was going to take a special place to leave. So the special place is the Raiders? Excuse me? That's the special place? you're Like, it's the Packers job, or it's one of these historic franchises across the NFL. He was getting the Cowboys or the Steelers job. Yeah, it's a special place. It's not really that special. The owner is a complete buffoon in Mark Davis. And you're telling us that this is a special place, and this is what eventually pride you to away from the Patriots, I should say, was the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, come on. This has been one of the worst-run franchises for more than a decade now. Basically, since the 0-2 Super Bowl, this has been one of the worst franchises in the entire sport. No way around it. They have constantly drafted high, and they've constantly screwed up. And you're telling me this is the place you knew you needed to be? I don't buy it whatsoever. I believe what has now happened to Josh McDaniels is he is no longer that hut coaching candidate, the innovative guy that he once was. And the reality of the situation is he had to settle for this job because he didn't know when he was going to get another opportunity because it wasn't like it was four to five years ago before he took the indie job where everybody was interested in hiring Josh McDaniels for his second opportunity, but he leaves the Indianapolis Colts at the altar. Remember, he hired a staff. Matt Eberflus, who is his good friend, who he had with him in Denver, 
That guy who is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears, he could have been screwed over if it wasn't for Frank Reich keeping him on staff. Remember, McDaniels hired that guy. So a lot of the shine kind of wore off McDaniels then, and then all these other jobs that have opened up over the past three to four years, none of those teams had Josh McDaniels as their top-tier target. So what I feel like for McDaniels, it's more desperation than anything else. We didn't hear about these other teams that are interested in Josh. Were the Jaguars? No. Were the Vikings? No. Were the Bears? No. Were the Giants? No. None of these other teams are interested in Josh. It was just the Raiders. So he can say this all he wants. He was selective. Yeah, you were in the past. But this isn't some special place you're going to. It's the only place that wanted you. That's why Josh McDaniels is the head coach of the Raiders. And he didn't know when he was going to get that opportunity again. And the other thing I'd mention, too, just as it pertains to Josh, he realized, like, okay, Bill's going to chase down Don Shula's record. So that's three-plus seasons or so. So even if I am eventually going to get the Patriots job, i got to wait a while for this. So I might as well try to do my own thing. So that's part of the equation as well, is now it looks like Bill's going to be here for more than he expected. And the other thing is this in terms of just the Raiders. I really don't see the appeal of the football portion of this job. So if you lay it all out in terms of where he's going, he's going to a division that, and I know he played poorly yesterday, Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Now he has Derek Carr. Carr is a good player. Oh, and also let's not dismiss this. The Denver Broncos just hired Nathaniel Hackett, who Aaron Rodgers has a really good relationship with, and he was the offensive coordinator with the Broncos. You cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that part of hiring Nathaniel Hackett from a Broncos perspective wasn't looking like, yeah, you know what? You know what? Uh, Rogers kind of like this guy. Not to mention Rogers agent, UCLA, George Payton, the general manager of the Broncos, UCLA. But even without that, let's just say that's the hypothetical that Rogers ends up in Denver. That's part of the equation, but you still got Mahomes and Herbert either way. Your quarterback's Derek Carr, good player, but he's 30. And I'm not saying that means he's done soon, but the point being is Mahomes is 26 and Herbert is 23. So you're going to have these two stud quarterbacks in your division, hopefully, if you last 10 years there, whatever it is with Josh, however long he lasts there, those guys are going to be in your division. So the chances to make the postseason are just so difficult. I know what you're going to say, Brian. They made the playoffs last year. I'll address that in a second. But if you look at it, okay, so Derek Carr had an outstanding season. Threw for 282 yards a game. You know that ranked in the division third. Herbert and Mahomes threw for more yards per game than him. He had a 94 passer rating. That's that's good. You know where that ranked in the division? Third. Mahomes and Herbert both had better passer ratings than Derek Carr. All right, well, yeah, but they're a playoff team. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But the Patriots and the Raiders had the same record last season, right? They were both 10-7. and seven. Okay. Well, do you know what the Patriots' point differential was? Plus 159. So they outscored their opponents by 159 points last year, almost 160. You know what the Raiders' point differential was last season? A negative 65. They were outscored by 65 points during the regular season. Now, give them credit. They managed to be 10-7, and but regression usually comes back to the mean. They're not going to be that same level of team next year if they have a negative 65-point differential. The only other team in the NFL that made the playoffs last year with a negative point differential was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Raiders were the worst team in the postseason this year by point differential, which is usually a better indicator of what type of team you really are and what type of team you're going to be 
going forward. So here are some teams with a better point differential than the Raiders. The Indianapolis Colts, and they did not make the postseason. You look across the NFC. The New Orleans Saints didn't make the playoffs. They had a plus 29 point differential. The Seattle Seahawks, they finished last season at 7-10. and 10. They were a plus 29. So when you look at all those things, and not to mention, it's not like they have a ton of cap space. They're 14th. They got $21 million in cap space. So it's not like they have a ton of cap space to go out there and spend. They have, the at best, the third-best quarterback in the division. If Rodgers comes there, of course, they'll have the fourth-best quarterback in the division. Now, the other thing you factor in is, well, okay, now I've heard like, oh, yeah, they're getting Devontae Adams. All right, well, I, I don't know if that's true, but like I said, $21 million in cap space. If Denver gets Rodgers and he wants his guy to come with him, Denver has $40.3 million in cap space. And this whole idea of Devontae Adams, I don't know who's getting the guy because the reporting that's out on him is he wants $30 million per season. I, I mean, that's just absolutely asinine to begin with. But And then you look at their defense, right? They were 25, uh, 25th rather in EPA per play, and they were 25th in points per game. So they don't have a good defense. They have the third best quarterback in the division. I just don't understand this whole idea of Josh saying this is the place to be, that he needed to be in a special place. Or did you have to be in the only place that wanted you to be the head coach over the past three years? Because the reality is nobody else over the past three seasons Quite frankly, nobody since he left the Indianapolis Colts at the altar has wanted Josh McDaniels to be their coach. So this whole crap about Josh McDaniels saying this is a special place. I knew it's going to be a special place. I want it to be a special place. I'm going to make it work here. All this crap that Josh McDaniels is saying today, it means nothing. The reason he's there is because he couldn't get another gig. Bottom line, you think a guy like Josh McDaniels, who I have always believed that Belichick and Kraft talked him out of going to the Indianapolis Colts for one reason. They have bad ownership. Jim Ursay is a bad owner. And when they saw that, and when Belichick can go back and say, hey, <laughs> I coach for Art Modell. Art Modell then eventually moved the team. The Browns completely fell apart. They eventually became the Ravens. So I have been in a situation with bad ownership. This is not a job for you to take. And then where does he go? He goes to Mark Davis who basically just has the team because his father, Al Davis, was a great owner. That's the only reason he has it. Now, I know he fell off at the end a little bit, but he was a great owner for a number of years, important in the history of the league. Mark Davis sucks as an owner. He got lucky to get out of Oakland and get to Las Vegas. Had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do about Las Vegas wanting an NFL team. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Let's get to David. He's in Florida. David, what's up? Hi, Brian. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, David, I'm I'm not doing... Yeah, that's true. I'm not doing great. I've been better. What's the matter? I got my tooth pulled today, man. Oh, which one? Your wisdom teeth? No, I got those pulled uh, years ago. Uh, It's a molar, though. It's a big one. Oh, yeah? Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, what happened? You got to eat some ice cream now. (laughs) Maybe when I get home. Yeah, maybe when I get home. Ice cream. Still nothing like good old Brigham's ice cream. Brigham's was the best, you know. That's how I got my introduction to ice cream. Brigham's, all right. Yeah. I'll check it out. Brigham's will always be the best. Yeah, all I'm not right. really an ice cream guy, but I'll try to do something when I get home tonight, David. All right. Well, suck it up for the rest of the night. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm thanks sure for asking how it. I was doing, though. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You know, I feel like we're really tight. Why we are. Why don't you come down to Florida sometime? If I you come down? You should come down to the... 
spring training. There's a big Boston sports fan down. Big Boston sports base down here in South Florida. Yeah, maybe I'll come down for spring training, David. Do some shows from there with Bradfoe. There you go. That, that would be. Let us know. We'll save a spot for you. We'll keep the light on. <laughs> uh, what's that commercial? <laughs> a Motel Eight. Yeah, uh-huh. Motel Six. Motel Six. There we go. Now, um, with with the Patriots, um, you know, I mean, uh, are you? Uh, is there any any um um fear that we might be witnessing the rebirth of a the genesis of another curse? I mean, we we dealt with the curse of the Bambino for eighty six years. Now, are we going to be witnessing like the, the beginning of the curse of the goat? Wow. So you think it's the curse? Yeah. You think this is going to be a curse for the Patriots franchise after letting Brady go? Wow. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I, I certainly hope not. But I mean, uh, McDaniel's leaves, and and he takes the GM with him. Yeah, Ziggler. Let's do it. Yeah. But I do think the Super Bowl is going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a good good game. I mean, you got two up and coming quarterbacks, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be an exciting game. I yeah, I mean Stafford's of, really not up and coming. He was drafted in '09. Yeah, true. But he, I mean, who do you I got, David? You got an early pick. I'm gonna go with the Rams. I'm gonna say 26, 26, 21 Rams. All right, 26-21 Rams. We'll lock it in, David. I'm putting it in my Google Doc right now, so you're on record. If you want to change this prediction, you got to do it before next a week from Sunday, all right? What do I get if, I, if I'm right? Uh, you get a good pat on the back. I want to host a show for a night. Uh, I'll see. I'll, t- I'll talk to the powers at B, see if I can get that working. All right, David. Remember, I told you, once baseball season starts, you gotta you got to expand your – your um, show to 1 a.m. Remember we talked about that last year. Oh, yeah. I'll see if I can. We did during the playoffs, David, remember? So I'll see if I can get that yeah. done permanently. All right. Well, let's hope there's no curse of the goat coming, right? All right. Good call, David. No curse of the goat. He does not want a curse of the goat. 617-779-7937 is the number. I am looking forward to baseball, though. I really can't. Well, now that the Patriots season is over, man, I cannot wait for this whole thing to get started. And enough of the lockout and these guys not getting a Let's get the season going. Let's go. I cannot wait for the baseball season to begin. Um, just real quickly, though, on the Stafford thing, and I'll get back to McDaniels in a second here. Like, I feel like people are going so extreme with the Stafford thing. Like, I'm happy for Stafford. I have nothing against Stafford. I think he's been a good player for a number of years in the NFL. But this whole idea that... Essentially, it means that, well, see, Stafford, if he was with a good team, he would always have been great. Okay, nobody said Stafford was a bad quarterback. I never remember that narrative being the case. But here's the thing about Stafford. He could never carry a franchise like Rodgers wins his division every year. Manning wins his division every year, or did win his division every year, I should say. Brady wins his division every year. Mahomes wins his division every year, right? He was never going to be that type of player. He's a good player. He's the next level down from that, right? So he went to a team in Detroit that was never really good, although a couple of years he had, I don't know, one of the best receivers in the history of the NFL in Megatron. He had a really good defense a couple of years. You go back to, like, that 14 team with Ndamukong and Sue and company. They were a good defense that year. And, look, I'm not trying to tell you that Detroit Lions are a great franchise. I'm just saying if Matt Ryan was or if Matt Stafford was Rodgers, if he was Brady, 
if he was Mahomes, that team would have been more competitive in a year in and year out basis. But so him going to the Rams, it doesn't prove that he was always this unbelievable elite quarterback. And since he went to the Rams, it proves all that. No, it doesn't. It proves he's playing for one of the best schemers in the NFL in Sean McVay, one of the best play callers in the NFL in Sean McVay, and he's playing for one of the best rosters in the league. How many teams have a better roster than the Los Angeles Rams? So if you were going to get an upgrade over Jared Goff, which Stafford clearly is. Stafford's a really good quarterback. He's a top half of the league guy. You could argue he's a top 10 guy in the league right now. So when you look at that, he gets to play with Cooper Cup, triple crown winner. He had Robert Woods, and then Robert Woods goes down, and he was going to have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham Jr. He had to settle for just Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. He has a really good offensive line. And then defensively, he's got the best defensive player in the NFL. And I get he's not going to win defensive player of the year this year, but the guys already got three of them in Aaron Donald. They traded for Vaughn Miller midway through the season. They have one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. In fact, the best cornerback in the NFL in Jalen Ramsey. So it proves that, yeah, if he goes to a loaded team, he can win. So I just don't understand why these huge storylines are being made about Stafford. I'm happy for the guy. I like Stafford. I like watching him play. But this whole idea that this completely changes the narrative of Stafford in Detroit, I mean, really? He's on one of the best teams at the NFL. A lot of quarterbacks could have gone to that team and have done exactly what Stafford has done. But the difference between Stafford and, like, the great contemporaries or his great contemporaries in the league right now is those guys carried franchises no matter what. Stafford couldn't do that. Stafford could be a major part of the puzzle like he is with the Rams, but he can't be the guy that is carrying an NFL franchise. So I just feel like we've gotten completely out of control with these Stafford takes, if you will. Now, look, he's definitely got screwed over by some of the coaches there. Like, the guy had to play for Matt Patricia. You feel bad for him. I mean, come on. And nobody wants to play for Matt Patricia. I mean, the guy absolutely sucks. And it felt like they did have a good coach for a while there in Jim Caldwell, who went 9-7, and 9-7, and, seven, and they fired him. Like, it felt like you were on to something with Jim Caldwell. And when you finally were on to something with Jim Caldwell, that's when you decided to move on. And Jim Schwartz, at the end of his tenure in Detroit, the guy had completely lost his damn mind. He was out of control. Remember that whole Harbaugh-Jim Schwartz handshake years ago? It was like a rough hug. I mean, that was just a weird situation. So, yeah, like, he's he played for a bad organization. He had some bad coaches, but he was never going to be on that, like, Rodgers-Brady level, Manning level. He's never going to be that good. He was going to be a very good player, like, similar to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had the perfect team in 16 with Shanahan. Now, Stafford's more talented, but he had that perfect team with Shanahan calling the plays in 16. He wins the MVP. Like, that's what Stafford was going to be with a good team. Oh, the other part of the Josh McDaniels equation and all this is just going forward. What this means for the Patriots, now it feels like obviously Bill O'Brien's the name out there, and I would like Bill O'Brien. By the way, you know Brady's first 5,000-yard season came with O'Brien. When Rob Gronkowski broke the record for touchdowns by a tight end in, the, in a single season with 17, it was with Bill O'Brien. That's when the Patriots offense really took off with Bill O'Brien. I've gone through it countless times. Bill O'Brien is more diverse with his play calling than Josh McDaniels. He'll use RPOs. He'll use play action and all that. So I do feel like O'Brien would be an upgrade, and it feels like that would be a comfort thing with Bill because, of course, O'Brien has been here before. But I don't believe that if – so if let's go with the hypothetical they can't go to O'Brien. I don't believe it should be somebody that is in-house right now because nobody's ready for that job. Sorry to Mike Lombardi. Your kid's not ready. And Mick Lombardi. 
And I don't want to bring back like a Joe Judge to make him the offensive coordinator or anything along those lines. Like Andy Hart's throwing out Matt Patricia. No thanks. I would love to see them go outside the family to do this. And the guy that I've mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the air, but the guy that I would like to see them go after, if Kevin O'Connell doesn't get a head coaching job because he's been a, a finalist for a couple of these, he's 34. He, of course, was drafted by the Patriots. He is the offensive coordinator for the Rams right now. Now, he doesn't call plays because McVay does. But here's the thing. McVay let Matt LaFleur in 2018 take the Titans' offensive coordinator job, even though it was a lateral move, which, of course, you can block as an organization. He let him go because it was a play-calling gig. And you would think that he would do the same thing for a guy like Kevin O'Connell if Kevin O'Connell is going to come to New England and be the play-caller. And I would love to get a guy that has been part of that McVay-Shanahan scheme offensively into the Patriots system because it feels like those guys do a really good job in terms of scheming up the running game, scheming up everything from an offensive perspective. Now, I hope he doesn't take over some of the traits that McVay has as an in-game coach, but he wouldn't have to worry about that because he'd be the play caller at this particular point in time. But I think a new, fresh set of eyes on this offense in terms of, and Bill O'Brien would be that as well because he hasn't been here for forever, but just a new set of eyes and kind of changing the system rather than sticking with that same Tom Brady system Brady can run it. That doesn't mean Mac Jones can run it. So I would just like some evolution of the Patriots offense, and I feel like O'Connell would bring that as well. All right, 617-779-7937 number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you do want to weigh in on McDaniels leaving, what it means for the Patriots, that's on the table. And did you believe Brady tonight that he hasn't made up his decision that he's retiring? That's on the table as well. Oh, and I do want to get to this next. Who deserves the most blame for what's wrong with the Chiefs? I'll tell you next here on EEI. Right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. So there's a scenario that comes up that says let him score, right? Timeout called by Cincinnati. There's also a scenario for Kansas City, and Cincinnati's out of timeouts. Kansas City has a scenario that says down it at the one, go down. Now, this is that rare situation Boy, where it's whole right season in between. On it's like you got to score, right? When We're going to perfectly time when we score the winning touchdown You're, is what you would say they're thinking. Well, my thought is there's a, there's a time where it's like, okay, it's so low, it doesn't matter, score, right? <laughs> that was Tony Romo yesterday during the AFC Championship. My favorite part of this, Justin, tell me if you agree, is when Jim Nance says, so you're going to perfectly time the final score of the game. He is like Tony Romo's puppet. Like, he just goes along with Tony Romo. Whatever Tony Romo says is right. Yeah, so he was. First of all, let's think about this for in a couple of different avenues, if you will. So the first one is, he thinks Cincinnati should consider letting the Chiefs score when Cincinnati had not given up a single point in the second half against the Chiefs. At, up until that point, now they eventually kicked the field goal there because that's when Mahomes takes, like, what? The freaking 16-yard sack. But Romo wants them to concede the touchdown. For, why? You've been stopping them all second half. Why would you concede the touchdown? And secondly, then he wants Kansas City, who can't move the ball. So if one of their guys is about to score a touchdown, they should go down at the one. you got to be kidding me. The guy's losing his mind. Now, a couple of other things Romo said during this game. That made no sense to me. So the first one is, he said, in the middle of the game, he said he thought if Cincinnati was going to win, T. Higgins was going to have to be the unsung hero. T. Higgins? He was a second-round pick last year. 
He had 1,091 yards and six touchdowns. He would not be categorized as an unsung hero. You know who would be like an unsung hero? Taylor. That kid they brought in for one play, the two-point conversion he scores. That's an unsung hero. T. Higgins, who has over 1,000 yards, he is not an unsung hero. He's one of their star young players. He's part of the young core with Burrow and Jamar Chase. That is not the definition of an unsung hero. But here is my favorite line from Romo last night. Quote, whichever quarterback plays better at the end, that's who's going to win the game. (laughs) Thanks, Tony. It makes a lot of sense. You can't argue that he's wrong, but thank you for the obvious. Oh, by the way, from the 508, I alternated between ibuprofen and Tylenol after major tooth pull unless you have a prescription or something stronger. Thank you for that. I am taking ibuprofen and Tylenol. I was giving a I was given rather a prescription for something stronger, but let's just say it got screwed up in the pickup of said prescription. But I do appreciate that. Thank you for the I, I took a Tylenol and I took Motrin. So it, it is starting to work. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. We'll see how I feel in the morning. But thank you. I appreciate that. Not a fun day. I'll say that. Not a fun day getting your tooth pulled. Oh, and I did want to get to the Chiefs real quickly. Just their whole part of the collapse yesterday. Where it felt like everything aligned for them in this postseason. Everything was coming together. But it really did feel like they're up 21-3. to And then... The Bengals go down the field and make it a 21-10 to game. But you still feel like the Chiefs are in complete control right at the end of the second quarter because the Chiefs are going to get the ball back. It felt like at worst it's going to be 24-10 to at half, and then the Chiefs get the ball back, and they could put the, ball, the game away in their first drive of the third quarter, right? So Mahomes has that inexcusable mistake throwing to Tyree Kill, and the clock runs out. Just a rare boneheaded move by Mahomes. You either got to throw that ball away or, I mean, that's essentially it. You got to throw that ball away. You got to get make sure you get the field goal. But that was just a dumbass mistake by Mahomes. But what shocked me more so than anything else is even with that era, you're still in good shape. You're up 21 to 10 entering the third quarter, and they couldn't do anything in the second half of this game. And Mahomes really looked like he was completely confused. And it's not as if, and I'm not trying to, criticized the Bengals, it's not as if they made a major change in the second half. They were basically playing the same defense. They were rushing three, and they had that two-deep shell. This is the defense that everybody's been playing against Kansas City this year, and Romo talked about it all game. Like, oh, yeah, teams were doing this all season. This is what makes Pat Mahomes great now. He's patient. And he was patient in the first half, and he was patient against the Bills, showing a similar defense. And then something happened, and the only logical conclusion I can draw is he was shell-shocked by that epic mistake he made, And so instead of taking the easy stuff underneath that Brady would always do, Brady would take what the defense gave you, Mahomes wouldn't do it. He went back to when the Chiefs had struggles offensively this season. It was these two deep shells. They kept trying to throw the ball down the field. Instead of taking that easy underneath throw, he stopped doing it in the second half. I don't know why. He was trying to freelance, create his own plays, instead of just taking the easy stuff, and it really hurt him. And the other thing I just mentioned as it pertains to this is Andy Reid, so on the game, and look, you have three guys up front for Cincinnati. You have a two-deep shell. They are inviting you to run the football. And when you're up 21 to 10, it would be a good idea to run the football a little bit. I know the Chiefs are explosive and all that, but you can say, take some time off the clock, and you were running the ball well. On the game, 24 rushes for a buck 39. In the second half alone, the Chiefs ran for 68 yards on 5.6 yards per carry. So think about that for a second. That is... 
extremely, extremely effective. And you decided you're done running? 12 rushing attempts, that's it? When you're running at this high of a clip? It just made no sense to me, and it felt like, okay, that's on Andy Reid. Now, Pat Mahomes just deciding, you know what, I'm going to keep throwing the ball down the football field instead of taking the underneath stuff. That's on the player. But not using the run game when you're up 21 to 10 and the opposition is inviting you to run the ball, inviting you to run the ball, and you're getting 5.6 yards per clip, and you just ignore that as part of the equation, that is absolutely horrible coaching. Horrible coaching. And I don't buy into this whole idea of, oh, the Chiefs get bored, so they got to figure out different ways to beat you. No, they just make dumb mistakes in games. And I look at this Chiefs team now, supposed to be the next dynasty in the NFL. Well, they've, for four years now since Mahomes became the starter, they have won Super Bowl. If you look at these Patriots runs, okay, they had their run in the early 2000s. They cashed in. They got three out of four. You look at their run last decade, the Patriots during a five-year stretch, made it to four Super Bowls, and another year they made it to the AFC Championship game, they came away with three rings. I don't believe the Chiefs are going to get much better going forward. Like, they really hurt themselves in terms of building up a dynasty. Thanks to Justin for producing. i back with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.